everybody to another edition of the Slasher Sanitarium. We are talking about the interview with the vampire. Episode 3, Is My Very Nature That of a Devil? This episode starts with Lestat giving Louis a history lesson on the place that they are sitting at. Louis says that, or asks if the history lesson includes the slaves that were decapitated and placed on iron spikes. Lestat quips that he's only halfway through. Louis asks if he thinks that vampires have a purpose. He says that they can survive on just animals, but if they are going to take human life, maybe they should be more selective. Lestat offers to take only redheads, and Louis says that they should kill the worst of them. Humans, not redheads. Louis says they can use their powers and read their minds. He says that they should save the poets and architects that Lestat admires, but Lestat reminds him that every one of those people that he does admire are also capable of atrocities. Louis says that they should be better than normal people. Lestat says that they could happen across a murderer planting a flower garden, and he questions how long they wait until his murderous deeds present themselves to them. Louis says as long as it takes. They read a man's mind who is trying to hold in his bis. Another man is thinking about stealing from his mother. And the stat says that it starts with $18 for a suit and gets worse from there. Louis doesn't think that either man deserves to die and says that the stat agreed to try this out. The stat says the angel of starvation has just flown over them. Another man keeps saying that everyone is stupid and Louis says the man steals from the poor. The stat asks if this meets his expectations and Louis gives a little head nod. So the stat swoops over and grabs a man. Louis runs over to find the man shaking since the stat broke his neck. He tells him to eat, but Louis grabs a cat and eats it instead. It's another great example of the difference between these two. Now, obviously, the stat's got a long history ahead of him and behind him of, you know, looking at humans as prey. And Louis still is holding on to a lot of his humanity. And... As we have heard from our modern day, he never gets used to uh, killing people. And, you know, it's been 22 years since he has actually taken anyone's life. So, yeah, obviously this is going to be a big sticking point between the two of them. Louis and the stat sit at the Azalea, listening to a new singer. The stat doesn't care and says that Louis is ashamed of what they they are, and he was just trying to find some moral way of dealing with the fact that they are vampires. Louis asks him not to use the V-word in his place of business, and the stat corrects him that this is a front to ward off the scent of dogs. Louis has always been a sad boy, from the books to the movies. And look, I love Jacob Anderson. He's doing an amazing job. He is making this character far more interesting than he's ever been before, he's still probably the least interesting of any of the vampires. Now, look, I completely understand that it is kind of groundbreaking to show that there are maybe some people that will not be cool with the transition, because normally what we get, somebody becomes a vampire, and they're just like, I guess I'm just killing a murderer now. So I I appreciate that. I, I like the fact that we are seeing a difference in like psychology between vampires they're not all just like flip a switch and now they're ready to kill people 
But I get real tired of his like self-loathing. And yeah, it's just like, okay, like, but you did choose this. Like you knew you knew what he was and you saw what he did. And in in that moment, you went ahead and said, Yeah, turn me into a vampire, so Louis says he doesn't want to kill people anymore, and Lestat calls him a fish that doesn't want to swim. He fears for the feline population of New Orleans. He then says that the pianist has lost his passion, and he calls out to Mr. Morton, saying that he has played the same melody for two weeks now and says his mind must be elsewhere. Mr. Morton tells him to do the job if he can do better, and Lestat says, hey, you know, I can do the job, but I'm not getting paid a small fortune on top of a tip jar to perform. Morton says people didn't come here to listen to Lestat jabber. Lestat says people didn't come here to listen to him play either, otherwise they would be in a concert hall and there would be less prostitutes. He said less, not none. He gets up, but Louis stops him and says, this isn't your kind of music, bro. Lestat says if Louis can pretend to be a vegetarian, he can pretend to be a fool. Lestat sits down at the piano and starts to play classical music. Morton says, doesn't that just get your dick wet? And Lestat says what he is hearing is amazing music. Morton says that he is playing a composer who never got his dick wet, and the stat says, the man had 20 kids. And by the way, Ferdinand, you're kind of stuck on that whole wet dick zinger. The stat says, starts to play some ragtime music. Morton smiles and sits down next to him, and they both start playing together. Louis informs Daniel that Lestat told him there was nothing wrong with Morton's playing, just that Lestat had heard he was going to leave Louis high and dry in a few days, and joined a steady gig in Chicago. And Lestat took offense to that. Lestat improvised what he was playing, and Louis says that it eventually became the Wolverine Blues. Daniel plays the song, and Louis says, yeah, Lestat came up with that. Daniel then says he is confused, since the last time they talked, Louis ripped Lestat apart. But now he speaks very highly of him. He plays a recording from 1973 where Louis says that Lestat was a sow's ear and he felt cheated to have him as a teacher. Daniel keeps playing clips to show how different Louis talks about Lestat. Louis says that the 2022 version is the more nuanced version, but Daniel says it sounds more rehearsed. He brings up that Louis was the victim of abuse from Lestat, and he is acting like he was in some gothic romance instead of an abusive relationship. Louis then reads from Daniel's book regarding a memory he had of sitting in his Buick looking at his daughter, and his ex-wife apparently reminded him that he never owned a Buick. This is the odyssey of recollection. Louis says the tapes are an admitted performance. Daniel then throws the tapes in the garbage, and Louis asks him, now who's performing? And Louis then lights him on fire with his mind. Daniel then trashes the audio recordings as well. And he says that Lestat drove a musician out of town because he loved him, so 1917 doesn't sound that bad, but Louis says it was rigged to burn. Lestat filled in on piano the next night, and he chose to start doing his killings away from Louis, while Louis could eat uh, rats caught from the street. Louis was weak and his libido was diminished, and one of the women proceeds to meet with Lestat and Louis. She says that people question if there are one bed or two upstairs. Woman says she doesn't mind, she likes all kinds as well. Lestat proceeds to pour wine on her top, so she has to take it off, while Louis heads outside. 
Louis arrives back later while Lestat is burning someone. He tells Louis that there is a dentistry convention in town. There's sinister talk of bicuspids and molars around every corner. He didn't kill the woman because she has talents. He killed a dentist instead. Louis asks if he is enough, and Lestat laughs out loud. He says that they will spend eternity together, and from time to time, he likes a little variety. So Lestat asks for an open relationship. Louis then asks if he can go and fuck whoever he wants, and Lestat tells him, of course, as long as you come home to me. I don't buy it for a second that Lestat is cool with Louis fucking other people. Lestat is clearly that kind of person who's like, I can go ahead and do what I want, but you, you are not allowed to have that same freedom. With the war going on, more troops are arriving in New Orleans before they head off to France. The city created a new ordinance that any black prostitute has to move their business over to Canal Street so the white soldiers could visit with white prostitutes. The very men who signed the bill into law were the same people who once, you know, in a while would slap it into a black prostitute. Louis gave ownership to each of his girls so that they could file a writ, meaning that the law deprives them of the use of their property without due process. Alderman Fenwick doesn't like Louis doing this, but Anderson says that it's smart. He doesn't quite like that Louis has a woman counting his coin, though, and he apologizes to Miss Williams, who is in fact behind them counting coin, and she says, I've been called a cunny, a cow, and a bitch that ate a thousand dicks. And you want to apologize to me for calling me a woman? She tells him to leave his wife and get with her instead. Louis says he is the only security this place needs, which is pretty true. Fenwick says they are writing another ordinance, and the money the Azalea is bringing in is far less than any other business going on. He says that the military is paying for a bunch of sol- soldiers with the clap. Miss Williams says she has pristine pussies on her floor, and now she's offended. Fenwick says it's either win the war or fuck the whore. So this whole moving the black people out, they're blaming the black prostitutes for having STIs. But it's probably, I mean, it's probably both, let's be honest, it's all of them. But, yeah, there's still a good number of them, and, and especially a place like Louise would be one that would employ women that are much more clean. But of course, it's 1917, so do whatever you can to screw over the minorities. They have to choose. A woman comes to say that a man in uniform is here to see Louis. It is Jonah Macon, in a soldier outfit. Jonah is a friend of Louis from back in the day. He says he heard about Paul, and Jonah says that he enlisted to try to raise up in life, while Louis seems to have risen up quite a bit himself. Louis sees Lestat making out with a woman from the other night, and Louis tells him that uh, if you think that my place is pretty, wait until you see my pretty automobile. They go for a drive and then take a walk through the uh, mud. Jonah says Louis hasn't aged a day since he last saw him. He says that most of uh, his battalion is colored, so they'll most likely be in the back and doing supply line stuff. Louis says it's better than dying for a country that makes you use the side entrance. Jonah asks if Louis has someone special, and Louis says he does, but it's not a woman. And Jonah asks what he's like. Louis says that they have an agreement. And Jonah asks if it's one of those agreements where you can just drive out into the bayou and, you know. So Jonah and Louis start to make out. 
And then while Jonah starts blowing him, Louis keeps hearing his heartbeat. So he has to bite down on his own wrist to keep him from killing the man. Louis goes back home to find the stat getting a robot. Louis says that Jonah found him, and the stat says it's an old love. But Louis admits that they just had their fumbles. The stat says that Antoinette was tedious, and it won't happen again. Louis sees that there is mud on the stat's boots, so he assumes that the stat has watched them. Daniel cuts in on present day and asks if it was raining that day. And we see that first Louis remembers the night as there not being any rain, then he remembers the night as there being rain, and he tells him that he doesn't remember if there was or not. But none of this actually matters, because we're going to learn a little bit here that Lestat for sure saw them. Louis visits Grace's home again, and Florence says that the devil walks at night. Louis gets shoved back by Levi as he tries to go and visit the twins, and then he proceeds to kick the doors open. And not just open, they fly halfway across the room. Florence says that Louis is not welcome here, and Grace tells him to leave. And apparently Florence sees the devil in Louis' eyes. So Lestat was right to tell Louis to stay away from them. We go back to Lestat's home, and Lestat is playing piano and singing with a bunch of soldiers. He says he wants to have an orgy with the men, and Louis can fuck them, and Lestat can eat them. He says that he brought them here after they cut the power to the Azalea. He proceeds to give Louis a notice of temporary closure. Louis tells Lestat to get them out of here, and Lestat uses his power to make all the soldiers stop and walk calmly out of the house. Louis says he knew that Lestat was there watching him, and Louis asks what makes it different from him and Antoinette. Lestat says he doesn't care about her. Louis tells him that the guy gave him some face, so then he left, which caused Lestat to jump up and scream, I heard your hearts dancing. Louis calls him a creeper, and Lestat says, I watched you drain a dog, and then chase after two more rats. He says this is not a life, and Louis says Lestat stole his life. He says he lost everything, his brother, his family, and he's about to lose the last thing he cares about, the Azalea. Louis then meets with Anderson and Fenwick, who of course are the reason why his shop is closed down. He asks them how he is supposed to do business like this. He says that Finn O'Shea has a house across the street and hasn't been shut down, and they claim it's because Finn serves sandwiches, so there it is a supper club. Fenwick says that O'Shea will be moving soon as well. Lestat says that white businesses seem to be thriving. He hears Fenwick say in his head that Louis is a tedious Negro. Fenwick says that he should move his business to the quarter, but Louis says nobody will sell to him. He tells him to make Lestat the face of the business, but Lestat says, hey, this isn't my deal, this is Louis. Fenwick again insults Louis in his head, and Louis looks at Tom and says, did you sell me the fair play because you knew this day was coming? Anderson doesn't deny it, and Fenwick says, I'll gladly buy the Azalea back from you for 15 cents on the dollar. Yeah, so it appears that this was a ploy all along. So, Tom allows him to buy the fair play, fix it up, and then knows full well that they're going to cause all of the... uh, black prostitutes to get moved out of there. So then they push 
a little pressure on Louis by closing his place down and things like that. And now, of course, it's the deal of, oh, we'll buy it back from you for even cheaper than you paid us. So, of course, they make out well. Plus, there's been a bunch of renovations done on the building, so it's even better than it was before. Louis tells Daniel that when your mother sees the devil in your eyes, it's hard to come back from that. Somehow, Louis doesn't kill these two chuckle fucks right here. But he goes back to the house and he makes a sign that says, Colored only, no whites allowed. This leads to police shutting him down fully. Louis says he was through struggling. Rats, cats, and dogs would no longer suffice. He stares down Fenwick from a car out of people. Fenwick heads home, and he turns around to find Louis. Fenwick says that Louis is there to threaten him. Storyville is a sinking ship, and Louis is the first to drown. He calls him a tiny man who is flying too close to the sun, and Fenwick is the sun. So he tells him to walk away. Louis asks why Fenwick's heart is beating so fast. Fenwick proceeds to pull out a gun, and Louis says, You are thinking about your wife and two daughters and how fortunate they are to be away at their winter home. And they are fortunate. Fenwick shoots Louis twice, and Louis stands there, doesn't react to it, and says, Oh no, go ahead, you can reload. As Fenwick is trying to reload, Louis runs past him and he rips his ear off. Louis says, you say I'm arrogant, well maybe I am. Fenwick asks what he is, and Louis says, I am a vampire. We cut to Fenwick, disemboweled and hung up on his gate, with a whites-only sign on him. Louis watches his men burn down buildings all throughout Storyville, including the Azalea. The stat says Louis impressed him, even though it goes against his ways. Lestat says he did what he did because it gave him pleasure. Louis needs a little bit of air, so he walks down the streets of Storyville, watching as people are running in fear. He proceeds to hear someone yell out for help, and Louis rushes into a burning building. He says, I could not save the Azalea, I could not save Storyville, or the ant on the other side of the wall, but I could save her, my light, my love, Claudia. He leaps and grabs the girl as the episode ends. So, obviously, if you are familiar with the books or familiar with the movie, the Claudia character uh, was the Kirsten Dunst character, the young girl that they eventually turn into a vampire. Spoiler alert on that one. So you should be incredibly excited for her to show up here. And, uh, yeah, we are now going to get into the Claudia storyline. <laughs> And I'm very excited for it. Now, this Claudia here is uh, a black girl. But, again, like we've already talked about with uh, changing the, the race of Louis, it makes sense and it'll be interesting from here. Now, they're also kind of changing the way that, uh, that we get to Claudia as well. So, we'll see what else they have in store and, and if you know they proceed to, to go the route that uh, we have seen in the past or not. Um, it's a bummer to lose John DiMaggio, but his character was pretty reprehensible and Fenwick needed to die. So this was sort of the, the last bit of Louis humanity. So now that he's got the Azalea gone and he clearly can't like rebuild what he's doing right now, we're going to see what he does with his life now that he doesn't have these attachments to the past that he had. Can't go back to his family because that didn't work out well. Can't really go back to being a uh, a pimp 
And eventually that was going to run out anyways, considering the fact that he doesn't age. So, yeah, we'll kind of see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, that'll be it for us on this one. So thank you for listening, and I will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.